I'm sure there's no one right answer, but I'll tell you what I think works best for our clients. And I think less is more. It's about quality, really, you know, not spreading yourself too thin, but going really deep into your customer's problem and how they're going about it. What What's the current solution they're using? You know, if they even have a solution, you know, in their mind, how would you go about, you know, presenting a solution? What would be the best way to, to present that solution? So just really analyzing what is it they need and how do they want to be talked to? Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Mays. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel Podcast, where we work hard to make sure that your future clients say, yes, that's me, instead of, yeah, so what? I'm your host, Jeff Maines. You know, have you ever been somewhere and other people are speaking a language that you don't understand at all? Or have you asked somebody a question who maybe didn't speak your language and then tried again, just saying it louder? You know, the funniest thing to me are the differences in English. So let's say we put a person from Alabama, somebody from Ireland, and somebody from Australia in a room together. You know, it's all English, but really, really different. For example, you know, do you wear boots on your feet like we do in Texas, or is it the back end of a storage compartment of your car, like in the UK? Or how about signs? I've been all over the world, and so many signs are just completely lost in translation. You know, even when we think that we're speaking the same language, a lot of times we're not, and that same thing happens in business too. Well, our guest today, Caroline Peterson, will help make sure that you are speaking the same language as your ideal prospects and clients. She'll make sure that nothing gets lost in translation. So Caroline is with us, and her genius is nailing the messaging and branding that resonates with clients to shorten the sales cycle and position you as the solution. We have a great episode ahead. And speaking of great episodes, last week we talked with Jonathan Fishbeck, founder and CEO of Estate Space. Great conversation about serving high-end clients, estate planning, and using technology to fill a really complex need with an innovative and easy-to-use solution. If you missed it, go back and give it a listen for sure. Great content and tips from Jonathan. Our guest this week is Caroline Peterson, founder and creative director of Gallery Design Studio. Caroline is passionate about helping B2B tech companies shorten the sales cycle by crafting clear, crisp, and visually engaging content for the different stages of the customer journey. You know, I could just stop there because that is something that we all need every single day, right? And I love that, shortening the sales cycle. Well, Caroline says that the sales cycles are too long because companies present their solutions to folks who don't recognize their problems or don't understand what those problems are really costing them. Caroline and her team at Gallery Design Studio fixed that by distilling complex B2B tech service offerings into easily understood visual content. Anybody else out there have some complex B2B tech service offerings? I'll bet you we all do. 
But the cool thing is Caroline and her team, they don't stop there. They also help their clients onboard and retain those customers. Their ultimate goal is to showcase their client's authority and position them as the one and only option in their market. Yeah, I hear that. And it's yes, 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 please. So please welcome the one and only Caroline Peterson. Today's episode is sponsored by my book, Small Fish Big Pond, building a world-class business that swims circles around competitors. So why do some companies achieve explosive growth while others sink into the depths? What do exceptional SaaS companies do that mediocre companies don't? And what can SaaS leaders learn from fish? Small Fish Big Pond delivers powerful business lessons guaranteed to change the way you view your business and includes hands-on exercises and growth tools to get lightning fast results. Get your copy today at smallfishbigpond.com. Use the code SASFUEL to unlock special bonus content. Hey, Caroline, welcome to SAS Fuel. Yes, uh, happy to be here. Well, tell me a little bit about your background in building creative content for B2B SaaS companies. Sure. So I'm actually originally from the UK. I moved uh, to New York about seven years ago. I, um, I actually came here to do a graphic design intensive training course. My background's in marketing, but I really wanted to hone in on the creative aspect of marketing. So I came here to the States, to New York, and really just uh, focused on all things creative. To be honest, my first goal was obviously to get the training, but I ultimately wanted to work at a publishing house here in New York that I had previously worked at in London. And I successfully did get a job offer that, you know, I, I was super excited, but unfortunately, you know, halfway through that process, it fell through. And what they had mentioned to me is, okay, this fell through, but if you work, you know, as a freelancer for us, potentially we could work together. So there was some, you know, immigration things. That's why it kind of fell through. But I'm like, okay, I can potentially, you know, set myself up as a business and I can freelance for this publishing house. So that took about six months to, to prepare. So I'm all set up, you know, LLC, everything, all, you know, done and ready. I, I go back to the publishing house. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm ready. I'm ready to freelance. Sorry, you're too late. Not interested anymore. So now <laughs> I had this business, I had all of this set up, you know, in expectation of, you know, working with this publishing house. I'm like, okay, what do I do? So I just got out there, you know, in the meantime, I did get a lot of folks approaching me, you know, they like my portfolio, because, you know, through my graphic design training, we had to put a portfolio together. So that that got a lot of traction, luckily. And so I ended up, you know, freelancing for other companies. And so I'd say the great majority of those companies were B2B SaaS companies. And so essentially, I just got into this business by, you know, it just happened organically and, and the work was there, to be honest. So how important is a brand story for SaaS founders and really telling the, the founder story in their marketing? I mean, look, if you have an amazing story to tell as a founder, by all means, you know, tell it and showcase it on your website. But oftentimes the founder story is really not that romantic. Sometimes it's just a business owner saying, hey, or, you know, 
someone who's not a business owner, but who will be, hey, there's a gap in the market. How do we fill and solve this problem? Sometimes it's just as blunt as that. So, you know, if you don't have this romantic story, then I don't think you should get bogged down into, you know, making something up. I would say, at least this is my view. I think if you don't have that amazing story, at least focus on an amazing mission and really articulate your mission, right? Love that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of mission. So how do you create either a brand story or a mission story about your company? I think, I mean, there's a, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Donald Miller. You know, he has a great yes. way of, you know, I think he has a seven-step process on how you can do that, you know, positioning yourself as the guide and having your customer as the hero. So that can, you know, that's definitely a great, you know, place to start. But, you know, in a nutshell, who are you serving why are you serving and you know how does your service work so it's really you know the basic questions and really summarizing that into one sentence so how important is creative today in advertising or or marketing i mean obviously we're a creative agency i'm going to tell you it's extremely important <laughs> <laughs> of course of course but okay maybe why is it important yeah i it's for a lot of reasons so and the challenge with what we do, it's it's not only numerical, it's you have qualitative data, right? So we've had clients say, hey, having a great, greatly designed website or pitch deck has given me the confidence to pitch to bigger and better accounts. So that's one component of where design plays a critical role. Another key aspect of where creative and design is, is really helpful, it gives clarity so sometimes and I'm not saying this is necessarily wrong but a lot of folks start with the copy and the content and then go to the design you know how do we convey this in a visually engaging way or that you know that's all great but sometimes you can actually start with a high level design wireframe of what you're envisioning and that can help you craft the content obviously it will depend on the use case etc but I think it's a good Design is also a process, and I think it can help bring clarity in the process. And then obviously the third one is, you know, it will help you cut through the noise. Like, how do you stand out on a LinkedIn feed, on a display ad? You know, how, how can you just literally stand out from all the noise that's out there? And so creative plays a big role in that. I like that approach. And, and I've done that as well in thinking about some different content pieces that I've done or uh, social videos. And it starts with either being in a place and, or seeing an event or a picture. And so looking at that picture and how does that fit into the marketing world? And that kind of drives the story, kind of the, the origin of, of where that marketing piece came from was visual. So I think that's a really interesting perspective. Yeah, 100%. I think it's just, it's extremely challenging though, because you also want to be unique. And so what we're seeing a lot is, you know, oh, we have clients, oh, we really like these ads, we really like what these folks are doing. And that's all great to get inspiration to sort of have a sort of gist of what, you know, competitors are doing, but really coming up with your own visual, your own way of showcasing your brand. I think that's a big challenge. So how do we do that? The market is, is pretty crowded. I think you're exactly right. Unique and different is what we're looking for. What are some ways to think about that or some ways to approach it where our marketing is uniquely us, not just a, a copycat of, of somebody else or something that we've seen? Yeah, I think just being completely obsessed about your customer. So 
you know, for instance, a gallery design studio, you know, our creative agency, we, we're talking to our clients every week. We have monthly check-ins and it's really, you know, what are your pain points? What is it that you need? Uh, why did you come to us? Like, this is an ongoing thing. It's not just in the beginning when we have that sales pitch, right, that we try to bring them on board. It's just this continual asking why, you know, and all of this information is what we use in our marketing, right? And so this is what we advise our clients, that you need to have a pulse on your customer base. You need to know what's, and then really a all your messaging has to revolve around that. So in a, in a sense, I would even dare to say, don't even look at your competitors, just focus on what you are doing and why your clients are coming to you and just craft content around that. So how do you think content has changed over the years? Is it quantity or quality or you know what is it that works today or how have things changed? I mean, I'm sure there's no one right answer, but I'll tell you what I think works best for our clients. And I think less is more. It's about quality, really, you know, not spreading yourself too thin, but going really deep into your customer's problem and how they're going about it. What What's the current solution they're using? You know, if they even have a solution, you know, in their mind, how would you go about you know, presenting a solution, what would be the best way to, to present that solution to them? Just really analyzing what is it they need and how do they want to be talked to, right? As opposed to having all these, you know, bits of content everywhere, just having what we call a signature piece, having a really good solid piece of content that answers, you know, the basic questions that they need to know. So in working with B2B SaaS companies, this is one that, that I'm always interested in. What are the top marketing mistakes that you see? And what what is out there that you see people do over and over and over again and you just shake your head and, and think, why? Why? Where do I begin? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know because I've probably done all of these things. So I definitely want to hear. I think... It's just going back to simplicity. Less is more. You know, a lot of the companies we work with, you know, they have they have a lot of funding. They need to meet some KPIs. So it's like, okay, we need a times five, you know, our revenue. We need to grow like crazy. So they start having all these sort of different requests. We need, you know, content for this segment. We need content for that segment, which is good. I'm not saying that's bad. But I think when you're starting, have one funnel, for example, one solid funnel with that signature piece and that, you know, you really think it through every step of the way as opposed to just going all over the place doing 10 funnels and not really doing it properly. And in addition to that, I think part of the challenge is they're putting all of this out, but they don't have, they're not measuring this content. So they don't have a, a setup. They don't have a, they're not putting the tools in place to actually measure the performance of this content. So, you know, before you go around doing, you know, 10 different funnels, have one, make sure that you know how to measure this. And then once you have a success, you know, you, you have a successful funnel, then, you know, you can then just copy paste and do that for all your other segments. So I would say that's a big one. And then the second really big one is siloed departments. You have marketing working completely on their own, not speaking to sales, not speaking to customer success. And again, it's going back to that, how can we provide content that is super useful to your audience, right? And sales knows that. They're speaking to you know prospects every day. 
why are you not leveraging that, right? So that's another big one. So how can you break down silos in those departments? You know, what have you seen that has worked to bring that holistic approach where it's not everybody kind of doing their own thing, but where as a company you're, you're really focused in? Yeah, so I can tell you how we do it at Gallery Design Studio. We, uh, like I mentioned before, we have weekly calls where we encourage you know, we'll speak to marketing, you know, we bring all of the creative team to the equation, but then we'll also encourage marketing to bring sales or customer success. We'll basically be a facilitator, you know, so that they can have this weekly check-in, if you will, in order to do that. So obviously we can't force anybody, but we do, you know, encourage people to leverage this, you know, weekly call to do that. Another thing that we've done is we want to use technology to to help people be on the same page. So we have our own software now. We're in the process of developing our own software where it's kind of like a digital asset management platform where all the final creative that we do is uploaded onto this software and our clients, marketing, sales, customer success teams can all have access to the content that was created because what ends up happening is Sales doesn't know there's a piece of collateral that they could be using, you know, after their sales call, right? You know, you want to send a one pager, you want to send, you know, a technical sheet. They don't know it's existing. And marketing created this like three months ago. So actually just having that one place where everybody can access the same information has been really, really helpful. That is would definitely be helpful. I had that exact same experience happen this last week. Yeah. Uh, sales had no idea that there was a marketing piece that, that we've had for, it has to be at least six months. And they didn't know that it existed because apparently we didn't tell them. Yeah. You know, marketing's doing their thing. Sales is doing their thing. And, and there's just you know, somewhere along the way we dropped the ball. So that would be really helpful. Just having everybody be able to see that as it's happening in real time and we're all on the same page. Yeah. 100%. So what makes one piece of content or one piece of creative? effective and uh, and another maybe not as effective or not at all? I mean, I don't have a silver bullet, but I'd say the biggest challenge we've seen is twofold. One is not communicating the right message at the right time. So for example, we actually made this mistake. We, for a long time, were promoting, you know, leverage content to onboard clients you know, and retain your clients, you know, with ongoing, you know, educational content, etc. What we were missing is that we were skipping, you know, a stage of, you know, who even is Gallery Design Studio, right? And how you can leverage content for the awareness stage. So they needed to be educated in the awareness stage. I assumed that that was obvious and I just skipped a stage. So my messaging was not accurate, right? So I think it's just really analyzing, okay, is my message at the right stage of the funnel? If not, then we need to really backtrack and put that in the right place. I think the second part is, you know, the actual design itself needs to be very, very clear. And especially when we're talking about the awareness stage, you know, that first touch point, right? The first time somebody is going to come across your brand, it needs to be very concise, you know, that's, uh, we have a lot of clients adding a lot of copy, a lot of technical details, a lot of features. Nobody cares about that. Ultimately, what is this content piece about? And it's not often not really selling your product at all. It's about, you know, 
giving them some useful information, you know, in a nutshell, how are you going to help them? And it has to be very quick. It has to be very impactful. No busy designs. You know, if you can provide a visual hue of what the asset is going to be, great. But essentially, you want to make it as intuitive and clear as possible. That's really, really helpful. And I know when I've seen different things, if, if it is really clear and I understand what it is, then I'm much more interested and engaged in consuming the content than if I read the headline or the beginning part and, and I don't get it or I don't really understand how it applies to me. Exactly. Then I just move on. It has to be what's in it for the audience. Why should I download this? Right. You need to show the outcome. So as algorithms have changed over the, the last few years, and that seems to happen on a regular basis, how has creative become more important? Uh, or is it content or is it, you know, there's some balance of that to remain effective and relevant in reaching the audience? So this part is, you know, not my expertise because that would fall under the distribution aspect. So we really focus on that content creation. But aside, you know, from that, I would say, again, it's really doing content that's going to be valuable, not just doing content because it's going to make the algorithm perform, you know, help you distribute that more effectively. I think if you're providing good content that's helping your audience and you're getting more and more knowledge of your audience and going deeper right you you don't want to be shallow in your content you want to go real deep i think personally that's what's going to give you the best results and that makes sense it's really adding value and that's what all the platforms want is value not trying to game the system right with uh, keyword density and those kinds of things is, is something that's actually valuable to the the audience yeah so how important is the creative for targeting is that something, are there visual images that uh, we should be using in our marketplaces or for our clients that, uh, that engage them? Yeah, 100%. You know, there's lots of ways you can showcase, let's say, an ad or, you know, whatever it is that you're showcasing. But, you know, if you're targeting a certain demographic, yes, you want to ensure that the videos and, you know, the stock footage, if you're using stock or the real footage or photography is in line with that target audience. So, for example, we just did an explainer video for a software company that services the life sciences industry. We can't have stock footage of people wearing casual clothes, for example. It's a lot more corporate, right? So you need to stay in line with who you're targeting. And that makes sense. I mean, just you're from the, the UK. I've got a, a client there and they just redid their website. And one of the big changes they made on their creative was they stopped using stock photos and they actually went to their client sites and just their conversion, the perception of their company completely changed because the the people that they're selling to, they're selling across the, the UK. Yeah. And there's a difference in seeing real people versus, you know, fake people in stock photos and their conversion just went up and it just changed the perception of their brand. I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously we do offer the possibility of stock, but absolutely, if you have the budget to have your own photography, by all means, use it. Because, yes, it's a whole different ballgame. So what are the, the key things? You talked about creating a signature piece. And uh, so what are the key things that we want to look for in creating a signature piece that is going to work well for us for the long term? Yeah, so the way we look at signature pieces is actually on a quarterly basis. Because obviously, you do need to stay up to date and you do want to have a little bit of a content evolution over time you don't want to always have the same thing 
So what we recommend is a signature piece every quarter. And then from that signature piece, you can then dissect it into monthly articles, for example. And then from those monthly articles, you can then further make it you know, into bite-sized social media pieces, for example. But really everything has a theme and it's all following that signature piece. That signature piece, ideally, you want it to be really in-depth. So think an industry report, right? We were talking about going real in-depth, you know, giving your audience really in-depth knowledge on how to, you know, whatever topic it is that your product or service is, is offering, right? Industry reports, ebooks. And again, these are not promotional. These are not about selling your product, but really the problem that you guys are solving, right? And really just provide a bird's eye view of that problem or the industry as a whole, you know, how, how it's doing. So I'd go really in depth. And then from that, then you can start extracting snippets, you know, for other use cases. I think that gives content a much more holistic feel instead of just doing a bunch of one-off things. And this is, Hey, I had this great idea today. We're going to write about the, there's actually a theme. Yeah, exactly. And so things follow along that theme. And so you've got some cohesion in your marketing, not confusing the audience. A hundred percent. And I think part of that cohesion, why it's important is sometimes it takes more than one try, right. To get your message across. So maybe an industry report, you know, might not resonate with someone, but then they come across that article, which is sort of medium length, right? And that resonates. Or maybe they come across that social media post that's just a snippet, right? And that resonates. So also it kind of, you're offering different versions or different ways of showcasing the same content, you know, in more or less in depth, right? So yeah, I think that's that's critical. And also it just... Um, it saves everybody time because you're able to repurpose content, which is a very big thing for our clients. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. Repurposing content. I think that's something we probably don't do enough. We just assume that everybody has read it, so we can't reuse it again, but it, it may be what 5% of the audience has seen it. Exactly. So we can definitely reuse that again. And reinforcement helps too, even if they have seen it, just a little bit different spin or a different format. Exactly. That's helpful. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to ask Caroline about how to market to existing clients and content for retention right after this. Well, welcome back to SaaS Fuel. My guest today, Caroline Peterson, founder and creative director of Gallery Design Studios. And Caroline, tell me a little bit about how we can use marketing for our existing clients. How does that work? Yeah. So, wow. So many things you can be doing. So one big thing that we're doing now is videos that market internally. So for example, we have a, a, a company that serves manufacturing plants. They're a software company and maybe they already have one plant in X country, but they want to expand to other countries. So what they'll do is they'll create a promo video, which is only for internal use for that particular company and uh, show basically it's kind of like a case study hey this is you know all the great stuff we've done for this manufacturing plant these are all the results we've got we've gotten this is what we can do for you if you you know apply our software to this country so that's something that's been really powerful because you already have this client all you need to do is really expand and it's much easier and that's definitely something that we want to do is continue to expand revenue inside of existing clients. I mean, acquisition costs are, are 
you know, like you said, zero because they're already our customers. Exactly. But then we're able to to expand and, and add additional value for that. Yeah. So how do we use content for retention? Yeah. So one big thing where I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge advocate is is onboarding. I think this you spend all this money on content to acquire clients, but then you completely neglect the onboarding process. So really having, you know, what are the next steps kind of videos? These can be very short, can be, you know, one minute long, but really just guide your new customers. Okay, this is what's going to happen next. You're going to be paired with XYZ and you can expect this and you can expect it in this time frame. So the good thing about this is that you can, it's scalable, right? Because you're only creating one video, but you're bringing that consistency. And then also you can pair these videos with a person as well. So it's not completely impersonal because you want to make sure that folks are seeing these videos. So at Gallery Design Studio, what we do, we have a whole onboarding process, a series of videos just explaining a little bit what are the next steps. You know, this is how you provide feedback for different types of creative assets, et cetera, et cetera. But we have somebody one of our designers is kind of their guide, if you will, who's guiding them towards, you know, which videos to watch, because it's not a one, one time thing, right? Maybe we don't have any video projects for three months, and then suddenly we have five video projects coming in, they might not know how to provide feedback for a video project. So we will refer them back to those onboarding videos with their, you know, corresponding person here at gallery design studio and they can always refer them back to that so it's an evergreen i mean obviously you want to update them periodically but it's really an evergreen piece of content that's going to give you tremendous amount of value and save your save time essentially i think that's really interesting it's something that we don't think a lot about as uh, as SaaS founders or, or really companies in general is just the onboarding process it's something that we do all the time yeah. So we know the process and why doesn't somebody else? Because, you know, we live it. But I think that's really important is to make sure that that's really good. We've spent all this time and money to acquire them, but making that that onboarding process good, because that's a really scary time for a lot of clients, depending on I mean, what it is. If they're making a change in software, uh, that could be a very scary decision. And so holding their hand and making sure they're very comfortable in that process is is key. Yeah, 100%. And also there's, you can also go hybrid, it doesn't necessarily have to be on demand. You can also do, you know, somewhat like you would do a webinar, you can do, you know, in a small group, you can have a group of clients onboard them live. And then obviously, you can record that and then use that later on. But you can also go that route as well. It doesn't, you know, if you feel like it's not appropriate for your technology to have it on demand, right? can also do a live and, and have that recorded. That's a smart way to do that. So what do you think the, the biggest challenges are in building a SaaS business today? I think the biggest challenge is that you really do need to be solving a problem for a very specific audience. I think specificity is key. For example, you know, the software that we're now developing, you know, in time, hopefully that will be something that we would want to specifically offer to other creative agencies of a specific size. I think, you know, if we were to launch this to a wider audience initially, it might not work. But if we go specific, I think we might have a chance at, um, you know, making this software work. So how did you end up? with uh, B2B SaaS clients as your, your main focus? Was that something that was intentional or was it something that you just kind of fell into or how did that come about? 
Yeah, I think it, in the beginning it happened rather organically. You know, I started freelancing as a graphic designer and then I was getting all of these fintech companies coming. Hey, we love your work. Please, you know, help us <laughs> essentially, <laughs> you know, make us stand out, you know, do all of these sales uh, sheets, all of that stuff. So it started like that. And then I realized, hang on a minute, there's a theme here. All of these sorts of clients are coming to me. Why not just make this official and say, okay, I'm just going to serve B2B SaaS companies. And that was a, a tough choice in the beginning because I had to turn down a lot of other lucrative work, but I wanted to stay true to who I was really serving. And again, it goes back to that specificity, right? Clients like it when they know that you're specialized in, you know, in the products that they're selling. That's true. That's true. I got a, a specific chapter in my book that is about if you want to get big, go small. And exactly. so it's, it's about getting very, very specific. And as an entrepreneur, that is scary saying no to other business. So how did you do that? I mean, especially starting out as a, you know, entrepreneur, you know, new business, new to the market, new to the country. How did you go about that and making those choices to say no to the good so you could do the great? It was tough. I learned by doing it was a progressive change because, you know, when you're starting out, you need the funds. <laughs> of course. So I couldn't say no right off the bat. But I think over time, as I acquired more B2B SaaS companies, I could progressively say no to everyone else. And now that we're relatively established in this niche, we're also being quite selective. You know, not all B2B SaaS companies are a right fit. So it's even, you know, within your niche, you also have to have parameters if you're going to, you know, serve in the way that we want to serve, which is creative excellence, right? And, and we need to be a good fit. Yes, yes. Ideal clients, not just everybody. Correct. So being a woman in business and owning your own business, what advice would you give to other women starting businesses, particularly in the technology space? Just do it. <laughs> Love it. Just do it. I didn't think I would be in this sector, but, you know, it came to me. I really enjoyed explaining complex technologies in a visually engaging way. And I wasn't really thinking about, oh my goodness, I'm a woman, I'm this and that. I just, just stay focused, do what you love and, um, and the rest will come. Any big challenges you've had in building gallery design studios? Oh, so many, lots of challenges. Uh, that's true of all of us entrepreneurs. <laughs> what would share some of those? I think, but you know, part of the challenges were necessary to, you know, get to where we are now. So I wouldn't say they were all necessarily a bad thing. I think the main thing was, you know, in the beginning, we would cater to a lot of different people and businesses. So, you know, we didn't really have much focus. But obviously, over time, we, we solved that issue and, and really just honing in on B2B uh, tech companies. The second thing is, during the sales process, I think it's really, really important to screen your prospects, even if you need the money, even if you need business, it's going to cost you more to land a bad client than to not have a client. Bad clients are always going to cost you more money. 100% true. So really screen it, even if you need the money. And that's probably one of the hardest things. Also, and this goes also for, for your team members. I think, you know, in the beginning, you kind of want to... Uh, you're more flexible, I guess. You can accept more types of people. But I think as you evolve, it's really important to be very selective as to who you hire, uh, not only from a skill set standpoint, from a culture standpoint. I think that's, I know it sounds cliche and, and obvious, but cultural fit is probably one of the hardest things, I'd say. 
So how do you go about building the, the culture that you want inside your business? So I think I'm a huge advocate of communicating the vision for Gallery Design Studio on a periodic basis. And when I mean periodic, like weekly. Uh, I mean, we don't give, give the whole sort of spiel of our vision and all that, you know, get into the weeds of it, really just remind people, this is what we're striving to achieve. This is who we serve. This is why we serve the companies we serve. We also really talk about our core values. This is not something that, you know, we talk about when we onboard new employees. It's really, we have a performance review. We literally have our core values and we we basically say if they're meeting each of the core values on our performance reviews. So we have all of our core values listed. Are you meeting this? Are you meeting that? Check X. It's literally like that. And so the items that they're not meeting, you know, we will talk about. And it's obviously a two-way street. It's not just, um, you know, me letting them know that they're not meeting this, but, you know, why are they not meeting this? Maybe they need something from me that I'm not providing. So it's really having that two-way conversation as to why, you know, maybe we're not meeting expectations. That's good. Well, jumping back to the, the creative side, is creative different on different platforms or, yes. you know, okay. How is it different and, and what should we be thinking about on different platforms? Well, you know, when you're thinking LinkedIn, that's going to be different to Instagram, right? The type of audience you're going to have is completely different. So the way you showcase your content and, you know, do the creative is going to be different. So, for example, for us, LinkedIn is a prospecting platform and, a, you know, getting to know our audience platform. So the way we design for that is going to be very different to how we design on Instagram. Instagram, we predominantly use to attract talent, which is predominantly, you know, creative folks. So we have to go on in a different direction, more visual, more playful, whereas LinkedIn, it's going to be more to the point. We're going to have that sh- laser sharp copy so it's completely different the way you design depending on you know where your audience is. So how do we know as business owners what platforms we should be on or do we have to do them all? Or yeah, how do we know? There's so many options. I mean, there's probably a lot of opinions about this. My opinion is, again, the rule of one, less is more. So obviously in the beginning, somewhat like when we started the business, you have to test a lot of different things. You might need to test Twitter, you might need to test LinkedIn, you might need to test Google Ads. But, you know, once you're done with the testing, you kind of get a sense of, okay, I think, you know, LinkedIn is going to perform better for us. So really, then just go all in on one platform. You obviously want to save your spot. You know, you want to save the name on the other platform should you want to have that later on. But I would really just dedicate, you know, most of your resources on one platform. Okay, that's definitely helpful. Where do you see the the future of creative and advertising as we look at the future with technology and the metaverse? What is advertising going to look like five or 10 years from now? I think video is still going to be king. I think this is going to be, I mean, it's already now, but I, I, I don't foresee this changing. I think audio is also going to be quite powerful. So everything, you know, podcasts, I think that's also going to be the same on the rise. I think content is going to be even more personalized. I think marketers are going to have to go even deeper into what is it that makes their audience tick. This goes beyond, you know, trying to sell the product or service. It's really what do they need? What would make their days better? 
how can we make their jobs easier how can we make them feel happier also you know also on a personal note it's going to be very yeah it's going to be hyper personalized and obviously we're going to have to be careful with regulations you know not to be too intrusive and all that but yeah i think we're going to have to do a, a better job at getting more personal okay very good yeah personalization is definitely the future yeah i also believe strongly in uh, branded text messages i think that's going to be become mainstream I just came across the United support chat so instead of having like you know the robots you have on the website you can send a text and when you receive a text from United it's actually branded and I thought that was quite interesting I think that's probably going to to be mainstream at some point oh, that makes sense yeah well where can people find out more about you and about gallery design studios online yeah so uh, you can find us on our website gallerydesignstudio.com uh, or on LinkedIn, which is the same handle, and Instagram. Excellent. We'll make sure and link all of those in the show notes. And Carolyn, really enjoyed our conversation today. Yes, likewise. Well, thanks again to Caroline Peterson for coming on the show and sharing your insights and resources. You can learn more about Caroline and Gallery Design Studio at gallerydesignstudio.com. And of course, check them out on all social media as well, especially Instagram. They really have a rockin' IG page, so give them a follow, take a look at it. It is great stuff. And as always, all links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sassfuel.com. As a reminder, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sassfuel. I'll be sure to read these out on a future episode and give you and your company a shout out. You can also leave comments, feedback, or just let me know you're out there by calling and leaving a message at 903-SAS-FUEL. I'll be sure to play those on a future episode as well. Tune in next week for our conversation with Jeff Chandler, CEO of ZJack. We'll talk to Jeff about lessons learned starting three different businesses and cybersecurity issues for SaaS companies just like yours. Jeff wrote a great book on the subject, and so we will go deep. So come back next week, check it out. And until we meet again, enjoy the journey.